Hey there, hey there, hey there. Welcome to this episode of the Podcast Manager Show. I am very excited that you are here. I am speaking with Daniel Gagnon today on the show, and we are talking about podcasting SEO and how to optimize your podcast episodes, your show notes, and everything in between so they can easily be found everywhere. Danielle is a search engine optimization specialist and lover of all things content creation. So not only did we talk about SEO, but we also talked about her thoughts on podcasting as a piece of content and where it takes place in a great content strategy plan. This was an awesome conversation with Danielle, so I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Let's talk to Danielle. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited to talk today about content strategy when it comes to podcasting and also SEO, because I know this is a huge topic. People love to know, like, give me all the deets about SEO. So I'm excited that we're going to be able to dive into that. Uh, But let's start with you just telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I am here in the lovely state of New Hampshire. Uh, It's funny because I've lived here my whole life. And then I meet people in the online world who are like, where is that? Like, they don't even know where it is. Uh, It's near Boston. That's what I always Mm -hmm. say. Um, (laughs) So I am a search engine optimization strategist, a copywriter, um, and a podcaster myself. And I have been doing this work full time now for myself for about two and a half years but I have a long history in marketing and journalism originally. So I'm, I'm all about the interview life, <laughs> talking to people, um, writing as much as possible. And um, yeah, just sort of doing what I love to do over here, which is great. <laughs> love it. So you have some experience in more like corporate marketing and stuff. Mm-hmm. How and why did you decide to move online? Yeah, so I was um, pretty happily working through sort of a couple different corporate marketing jobs. I was in a job that I really liked for a while and it had a good sort of career path. My boss would always talk about like, oh, you're going to run the company someday. You're going to be vice president of marketing. And at first I really liked it when he said those things. And as time went on, it sort of started to make my stomach hurt when he said those things. And it was just, I was just starting to think like, is this really going to be my life forever? Like sitting in this cubicle, sitting at this desk, seeing my son who was an infant at the time, seeing him, you know, less than his daycare providers see him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I just really started to not feel good about it and to feel like I wasn't on the right path. Um, And I'd always sort of had an entrepreneurial spirit. I was always coming up with funny business ideas, but nothing I ever took seriously. 
And then I ended up finding this program that sort of taught you how to make a freelance business. And when I first saw an ad for this program, it just clicked. I realized like I can 100% do this. I was Mm -hmm. lucky that I was already working in marketing. So it was very clear the types of services that I could offer. It all just really made sense to me. And so I bought the program like the day after I saw the ad, I was just like, Hey, honey, you don't mind if I spend $1,200, right? Okay. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I mean, it completely paid off. I I started my business like then basically. um, And about seven months later, I was able to leave my nine to five having basically replaced my income, which was like huge. That's amazing. And it's been about two and a half years now since I left my nine to five. Wow. Yeah. So many of us listening can relate to that because a lot of us have taken VA courses or Mm -hmm. some sort of like starting out, you know, become a service provider type of course. So a lot of us have had that moment where it's like you saw it at my story is that I actually met a girl at a wedding. My husband just decided to start talking to her because she had two kids and we had one and I was pregnant. So he was like, oh, kids, you know, and she told me she worked online and I was like, oh, yeah, I tried that. and It didn't work out. And then I got an ad for her once I got home and I was like, Oh, that's the girl from the wedding and the rest is history. But yeah, I feel like Facebook ads are like (laughs) the beginning of a lot of our, of our journeys, which is, which is funny, but I'd love to know since you brought up the fact that you had marketing experience and that Mm -hmm. helped you a little bit with your confidence of knowing that you could do this. Were you able to use your marketing experience in the online space or did you find that there was a big divide? I definitely was able to. I would say in some ways it almost put me, I don't want to say it put me at a disadvantage, but I actually think my background, which was very sort of like marketing generalist, let's say I was always sort of a one person marketing team and did everything. Mm. I actually think that that made it a little challenging for me at first because unlike a lot of people who were basically trying to find like the one service they wanted to offer, I was like, well, I know how to do everything. So I'm just going to do like whatever people will pay me to do. Mm-hmm. And so I I ended up spending the probably the first year or so in business, just like really running myself ragged, doing too many different things and not really feeling any more freedom than I felt mm-hmm. in my nine to five. And then, yeah, it was probably about a year in, my, I had my second child. Um, I really realized like, okay, I need to really start focusing on something more specific. What do I really love? Like which piece of these million services that I'm offering really like bring me joy and make me feel really good and make me excited. And that's when I decided to focus primarily on the search engine optimization side of things. Mm, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now I'm excited to get into the search engine optimization stuff also known as SEO, in case someone listening hasn't made that connection yet. Yes. Um, (laughs) But I would love to ask you from the top, like because you're also have a lot of experience with content strategy, I would love to know where you see podcasting fitting into a really solid content strategy plan. Yeah, I love that question. So what I always recommend to my clients and to anybody who will listen to me um, (laughs) is that I really think any any business person, any entrepreneur should really have at least one like primary piece of long form content that they are consistently creating. So I like to call that sort of your cornerstone content, at least the foundation for everything else that you're going to create content wise. It could be a blog, it could even be um, an email list maybe, um, or it could be a podcast um, or YouTube video, something like that. One of the reasons I like 
blogs, podcasts, or YouTube videos is because they are searchable. So creating this long form piece of content that is searchable, one, it can help you show up in search results and reach a wider audience, but two, you can then repurpose that content in so many ways. So every week you create this one long form piece of content and all the other content you create, whether it's Instagram posts or stories or reels or live videos can all be based off that one long form piece of content. It really keeps you from reinventing the wheel. It helps you stay focused. It makes it so much more efficient um, if you're not having to constantly come up with new ideas, you know, all week long, every time you go to create content. Yeah. That's one thing that podcast managers don't always do, but oftentimes will try to think of other ways for their clients to use the episode, whether mm -hmm. it's like Facebook live ideas or social media posts or pulling clips, pulling quotes, like like you're saying, you're making the most out of the podcast episode because one of the things about podcasting, as you know, as a podcaster, is that once you release the episode, people will definitely 1 million percent listen to it afterwards, right? It's at most, mm -hmm. most of our, in the online space, it's evergreen content, meaning it's useful, whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you can pull so much from it and take it other places that can live on and on in other ways. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense with it's the top, basically kind mm -hmm. of what you're saying of this content strategy. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to think of it, I, I always describe it as like a pyramid, which I guess is sort of backwards. We could think of it as a funnel to flip that over. It's the top. Yeah. Uh, and you build it down from there. Yeah. So since you're a podcaster, I would love to know what are your favorite things to do to repurpose your episodes? Yeah, well, I am lucky to have an awesome podcast manager who turns all my episodes into like blog style show notes for me, which is great. And then, you know, we always post on social media, of course, the day a podcast launches, but I also have a Facebook group and I will typically do some sort of live video in the Facebook group that week based around the podcast theme. Mm -hmm. I usually will do at least one other post that week on Instagram related to the theme of the podcast, not necessarily again, saying like, Hey, here's my podcast, but sort of talking mm -hmm. about the same subject. If I'm really on my game, I'll try to make a reel that has something to do with it too. I've been trying to do that more. Same. Um, <laughs> I, I like them, but I spend way too much time making a single reel. So it's, it's not a great use of my time. <laughs> and then I have an email list that I send out weekly that I generally uh, base around the same theme in my podcast. So mm. I'm getting a bunch of pieces of content every week based on whatever that episode is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, switching over into SEO, you said that, you know, your podcast manager does, does she do like blog style, like long form show notes? She does uh, what I would call medium form okay. <laughs> show notes. And then I usually take what she does and I like fully optimize them for SEO and add a little bit of content to them. So they do end up becoming, you know, blog link. So then how can we use those, whether or not, you know, it's short or long, um, I think for WordPress, isn't it like 300 characters that you want to hit minimally? Yeah, 300 words would be the minimal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So anything over 300, I suppose. Um, mm. How can we optimize those or what tips do you have for optimizing the SEO of those blog posts? Yeah. So I have a few thoughts on this. One, and this isn't actually directly related to show notes, although I will talk about that in a second, but podcasts themselves are actually being indexed in Google. Sometimes uh, if you search for a term that relates to a podcast or you're searching for a specific podcast, 
you will see podcast episodes show up in Google search results with like images and play buttons and everything, much like YouTube videos show up. Um, so I think it's important for people to recognize that too, that even the podcast itself, the episode title, the show notes that you're putting in the actual app, right? In the actual um, episode, what people are seeing in their podcast app, even that plays into um, SEO as well. And Google is actually saying that they're going to start indexing the words that you are speaking in a podcast episode. Yes, I remember. Wild. Yeah, I, re- I remember hearing that. I haven't thought about it in a while. But yeah, that's so fascinating and like kind of creepy. Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> but it's just it like, definitely is. <laughs> it's like they're going to have a transcript, which I don't know. Why is does it, any of this matter? Like, why is it weird? But it just seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I know. I agree. It's like, it's fine. I want people to know what I'm saying, but also it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the show notes, I mean, you can get so much traction by turning, by taking your show notes, putting them into a blog or on your website. And it really comes down to figuring out what are people going to be searching for that relates to the content that you're creating. A lot of times, um, we end up using industry jargon or like Mm. we're so familiar with the topic. We will use words and phrases that the average person may not really be using. Um, So I always recommend that people do some actual keyword research. So I'll explain sort of what that means for anybody who's not familiar with the term keywords are what someone would type into Google if they're searching for something. And then they're what as content creators, we use words and phrases that we can use within our content to try to get it to show up for those searches. So a super, super basic way to do some keyword research around whatever your topic is, is to go to Google or go to Pinterest and use the predictive search feature. Start typing a word or phrase into the search bar and both platforms are going to give you a dropdown of suggested things that they think you're looking for. And those are based off what other people are searching for. So that is like a super, super easy way to just play around and see what phrases are people using when they're searching for this kind of topic. And then just incorporate those. Again, you can even incorporate them into your actual episode titles, Mm -hmm. but definitely in the title of your show notes, throughout using that word or phrase throughout the show notes a few times, making sure that if you have like headings and subheadings on the page that you're using the phrase there, that's Mm -hmm. a place that search bots tend to look to see what something's all about. But really it all comes down to just making sure that you understand the words and phrases people are using when they're searching. Yeah, I love that tip. And I could see it, you know, if if someone is helping their client come up with topics to talk about on the podcast, you could do this research. And then you could say, hey, these are the titles we should go with because of SEO. And even with a title, there's still oftentimes like room for the client to then say, okay, cool. This is what I'll talk about within Mm -hmm. that. You know, it's like, it's never like maybe that super detailed. So there's still a lot of wiggle room, I think, that it could really work. Absolutely. I would love to know your thoughts too on Yoast, Mm -hmm. the WordPress plugin. Do you like it? Do you use it? Yes. Um, So I personally don't have a WordPress website, Mm -hmm. but I still use Yoast because uh, they have a free online tool called the Yoast Real-Time Content Analysis that essentially works the same as a plugin, except it's just free online. You just copy and paste your content into there. And then it's as if you have the plugin working for you. I do love Yoast. It's not a perfect 
tool. Of course, no no algorithm based (laughs) tool is ever going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. but I, I really like it. I think it's so, so great, especially for people who, you know, aren't super experienced in SEO, but want to do their best to optimize the post, especially without having to pay someone to do it for them. Mm -hmm. If you're producing a weekly podcast that adds up to have someone doing that for you. So I think it's a great tool for anybody who's, you know, trying to do their best, trying to DIY it, especially to just make sure that you are doing everything you possibly can to optimize that site, that page. Yeah. And it's, I find that like, since I've been using Yoast for years, that now it makes a lot more sense as to why it's like prompting you to do certain things. It's like, it's kind of taught me Mm -hmm. understanding like what gets searched, what doesn't get searched and all of that. Exactly. And I want to go back to what you were saying with Google indexing or showing these podcast episodes, because this is such a big, I think such a big improvement because within just the Apple podcast app, the description is not being indexed yet. The titles Mm -hmm. are, but not the description. So you could say that the description doesn't really matter if you're only thinking about Apple. Right. From what we've seen in the last couple of weeks and months, Apple is just like lighting a fire on their podcasting whole situation. So it's like, we need to question our loyalty to (laughs) Apple. Goodness, it's just been a whole conversation. But but yeah, so I I love that you brought that up that like, we also have to think about Google. And although Google podcast isn't a huge podcasting platform yet, it's Google, just google.com. Right. (laughs) It's pulling like google.com is a huge deal. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it definitely is. And I, I always tell people that because you're right. A lot of people think like, oh, the description doesn't really matter. My feeling is like, it's never going to hurt to have your descriptions optimized. And it's really not, it doesn't take that much more effort. It takes, I mean, you could do a few minutes of keyword research the way I described, like going to Google, playing with the predictive search feature and just include those phrases in your sentences. It's really not that much more effort and it can have a really big impact. And who knows when descriptions are going to start being indexed within Apple podcasts themselves. And then you're ahead of the game. You don't have to go back and start trying to optimize your old episodes. They're already done. Yes. Such a good point. Like why not? You're Mm -hmm. already going to be doing the work. If you do show notes for your client, you're already going to be doing that work. So yes, I love that. And it kind of makes me think of like back whenever people were putting episode numbers in, it's still happening, but with the whole episode number thing in the title, then Apple said, hey, stop doing that because we don't want it anymore. And I feel like people were then asking me all the time, like episode number in the title or no. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, if it's the future to not, then let's just not, let's put it somewhere else. Let, you know, let's use it. So it's like, when you can see that this is in the future, it will definitely be indexed at some point. So Mm -hmm. why not just do it now? Yeah, absolutely. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about 
my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. So is there anything else that we should be thinking about when it comes to podcasting and SEO? Well, I, th- I want to go back to something that you briefly mentioned, um, which was the idea of sort of doing keyword research to actually come up with topics. And I loved that you said that because I talk about that all the time. I tend to talk, a lot of my clients um, are more focused on blogging than podcasting. And so I talk about it a lot in terms of, you know, blogging specifically, but it is absolutely a super, super powerful way to come up with topics for whatever kind of content that you're creating. If people are searching for something on Google, then they 100% are looking for that same content elsewhere as well, whether it's social media or podcasts or you know YouTube, wherever it may be. And so I absolutely love using keyword research to come up with topics. It also makes your life so much easier. If you're producing a weekly podcast, whether you're interviewing people or you're doing like a solo show, in which case it'd be even harder, I feel like, to come up with enough topics. At a certain point, you just don't know what else to talk about sometimes. And so letting, like I would say, letting the people tell you what to talk about by doing the keyword research is just really, really powerful because you can sort of rest assured that you are creating content that is wanted. You never have to wonder, like, does anybody even want to know about this? Is this even useful? Because you can literally see that people are searching for it. And one of my favorite tools actually for coming up with topics for whatever type of content, but including including podcasts is to use Google's people also ask feature. So we've probably all seen this in search results. When you search for something, almost every search these days comes up with a section called people also ask, where there are questions that literally other people have asked on Google. Um, like, and, and there's like answers. With the drop down? Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. No, sure. Yeah. And every time you click on one of the drop downs, additional questions pop up. And so in a span of like 10 seconds, you could have this massive list of questions related to the topic that you like to talk about that people are asking. Answering those questions is a podcast, right? Or a blog post or whatever you want it to be. And so that is a super, super fast and simple way to come up with like a massive list of podcast topics. It's also a great way to come up with interview questions. If you're interviewing a, you know, an expert in some sort of field, especially if it's something that you personally don't necessarily know a ton about and you're not sure what people would want to know about it, that is an awesome way to come up with questions to ask your guests too. Yes, that's such a good point. I love that. Now, one thing that you just said earlier, you said like sometimes we use jargon that people don't actually search for. Mm-hmm. And I think our eyes could be open to that fact if we started looking up, started doing some of this research and see how plain these questions are probably. It's yes. like how just like the questions are generally pretty straightforward and mm-hmm. they don't use like some of the kind of catchy terms that you might see. So I think that you're right. You're so right there that like it would help you to kind of direct your messaging to the person using the person's words. Exactly. The listener's words. Now, I'm curious, how often do you do this research? Or how often do you would recommend us to do this research? Like, let's say we did it, we like listened to this episode and we're like, oh, 
I'm going to go all in. And we spent like an hour or two, like getting all these great topics and it cool. It lasted us like probably what, two months or more. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend like checking back every month because things change or I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it's something that you could easily do maybe like once a quarter. That's probably what I would recommend. I don't think you need to go back and check once a month and like redo your keyword research. I don't think things will change that dramatically. Of course, there's always going to be things that come up like things changing with Apple Podcasts, for example, that people might suddenly be searching for. So that might be an example of a time where if you know there's major shifts going on in the industry that you're, you're talking about or the topic that you're talking about, then yeah, maybe that's a time when you would go back and do some additional keyword research right away. But I personally, when I'm coming up with topics, uh, whether for my clients or for myself, I like to do it a few months at a time, like plan enough topics for a few months at a time. And that's generally worked really well. Typically things don't change enough in that amount of time for it to really have a major impact. Yeah, that makes sense. Also earlier, you said that like at some point, when you've been podcasting long enough, it's hard to come up with solo episodes. That is real life. And so I can see using this strategy of doing the keyword research, your client could really kind of repeat an episode, you know, deliver some of the same content that they've been Mm -hmm. delivering 100 episodes ago. But it has kind of like a facelift of being really pointed towards SEO. And I think just knowing working with clients, they're like, I've talked about everything. And number one, people have to hear stuff like seven to 10 times to get Mm -hmm. it. So it's like, we could just keep talking about this topic forever. (laughs) But we could also use SEO. I think that's kind of what's coming up for me. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's a great way of sort of helping you see something from a different angle. Because again, like you were saying before, a lot of times we don't always realize like how basic we kind of have to get for people sometimes. If you've been doing whatever it is that you're talking about, if you've been in that field for years and years and years, it's hard to even really know all the time what people really need to hear. And so doing that keyword research, seeing what kinds of questions people are asking, what sorts of phrases they're typing in can sort of help you look at the topic from a new angle or with a fresh perspective um, and help you figure out, you know, sort of a fresh way of talking about it. Yeah. And there's certain people that I follow that I've been following for a while that like, I just want to hear them talk about like the same topic all over again, (laughs) especially like motivational stuff or like productivity. It's like, I know I've heard this before, but it always hits me differently. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't need to think of new content ideas. (laughs) Just keep talking about the same thing. Yeah. And I feel like over time, you know, you're going to have new examples and new stories to tell that relate to the same topic. And you can, yeah, I definitely have people that I listen to them talk about the same things all the time. And I love it every time. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. So thinking about Pinterest, I know Pinterest is like its own search engine. So if the things that we put on Pinterest, would that affect Google SEO? So it doesn't necessarily affect Google SEO. I almost think of it as the other way around. I think the keyword research that you do in Google for your podcast show notes, for your episode topics, all the stuff we've been talking about can actually sort of inform your pin. So sort of the other way around is how I think about it. You know, Pinterest, like you said, is its own search engine. You know, which pins show up when people search is all based on a search algorithm. And so making sure that when you're writing your pins, your pin titles, your pin descriptions, I would even say the text on your pins, making sure that you're using whatever that primary keyword is that you want to show up for in all of those places. The same one that you're using in your actual episode in your show notes is really important. Now, sometimes people will search for things differently on Pinterest than they do on Google. 
So you can always do that same exact thing I was talking about with Google's predictive search. You can do in Pinterest as well and see if you're, if it seems like the phrases are mostly the same, see if new ideas are coming up for you. Uh, but typically the, the main keyword research you've already done for that episode, you could just use those keywords on Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think one thing that we would find by doing this is like, you're just nailing this topic. Like you're just putting it everywhere. You're being yeah. so deliberative. Like this is what this is about. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe our yes. conversation is about SEO for podcasts or whatever. It's like, no matter where you go, you're going to see that <laughs> this is what it's about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I've run into with clients like that have more of storytelling shows, because this is like so straightforward, I think, with coaches and all sorts of parenting, marketing, all these coaches that have podcasts that we serve, but people that have more like storytelling that doesn't necessarily have like a central idea Mm -hmm. or like specifically have a client who titles her episodes like very different differently than podcasting. It's never like how to it's like, I don't know. But it's hard to get the SEO. Yeah, because of that. And so I like I'll try to lead her in that direction, you know, of like, let's title it with this or whatever. Yeah. But I think sometimes you just kind of cut your losses yeah. on that. But I still think we could use these strategies to improve even those people that mm-hmm. it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I've worked with clients before, um, usually on the blogging side, who their blogs are very much storytelling and, you know, harder to pin down as well. In those cases, what I usually try to figure out is sort of like, what is the overarching theme? Who is the person that needs to hear this? That's like really the question that I ask. Who is the person that needs to hear this? Why do they need to hear it? Like what situation are they in? What problem are they having that they might be searching about? And I try to think about it that way. So it's it's not always quite as cut and dry as like, okay, this is about podcast SEO. Great, super simple. But really thinking about, like I said, who the person is that needs to hear it, like why they need to hear it then, what are they going through or what problem are they having? What help do they need? And sort of trying to do some keyword research around that. It's definitely a little bit more abstract, but it can definitely work. Yeah, no, I I like that. That's really good. And it made me think about, you know, reusing keywords. I know Yoast doesn't like it when you reuse keywords. So why is that? And what can we do to not reuse keywords? Yeah. So the reason Yoast doesn't want you to do that is because it can end up sort of like cannibalizing your efforts. Like if you have multiple pages on your site trying to rank for the same keyword, it can, you know, sort of hurt the ability to get traffic to all of those pages. Whatever page is strongest is going to sort of beat out the others and you end up competing against yourself. It can also sometimes be sort of confusing for Google, especially if the content is very similar. Google can sort of see it as duplicate content and then not end up ranking any of it. But typically the biggest issue is like you end up competing against yourself. In that situation, because a lot of people end up talking about very similar things often, which is to be expected if you're an expert in something or, you know, your show is about something specific. What I usually recommend to people is that it's 100% okay to use the same keyword in multiple posts, but try to make your primary keyword, what Yoast calls your focus keyword, 
basically just make a play on different words. So for example, you had this episode, maybe uh, the keyword is going to be podcast SEO. You could write another post about SEO for podcasts. You could do another one that maybe the focus keyword is keyword research for podcasts. So you can sort of Mm. still be talking about the same things, but be trying to use slightly different phrases. They don't need to be so, so different that you can't still talk about what you want to talk about. Um, But just sort of switching up the words a little bit, make sure that one, you're not competing against yourself and two, that you're never sort of being tagged as creating two duplicate of content, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really, really good. And I think thinking of what makes this podcast episode different than the one my client did a month ago, I think that's just a good thing to nail down anyway, because we don't want to make the same thing over and again. Like there needs to be something new. There needs to be something different. And there usually is. Right. I think it's just a good exercise anyway, especially like when you're working with the same client for a long time, you're just like, okay, yep, this is about relationship marketing. This is about, you know, how to get your toddler to listen or like, it's like, it feels like the same to you. So I think it's a good exercise. Like, no, this is different. People need to listen because it's, it's a different spin. Yes, exactly. A lot of times, you know, you could listen to my podcast and say my solo episodes are always about SEO, which they are. Um, (laughs) But each time a small part of SEO, a specific focus of SEO, they're about something slightly different each time, some piece of SEO. And so I think that probably holds true for a lot of shows that talk about, you know, one overarching theme, probably, like you said, each episode has something that makes it a little bit different, a a slightly unique focus. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so we podcast managers talk about podcast episodes ranking, you know, on Mm -hmm. podcast charts. So how hard is it? Let's start here. How hard is it to rank number one on Google with a keyword? That is always the question. That is the million dollar question. (laughs) Tell us the Uh, (laughs) secret. So, okay. So the answer is to how hard is it? The answer is it depends, which, you know, is sort of the most annoying answer in the world, but is also the true answer. It really does depend. It's going to depend on, so the keyword that you choose, is it something that, you know, millions of other people are trying to rank for the same keyword? it's going to be challenging. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it does mean it's going to be challenging. If it's something more niche or more specific and unique, then it's going to be a little bit easier. And actually, real quick, that's actually one of the secrets. Like you said, what are, what is the secret? That is one of the secrets. Making sure that you are being really specific when you're choosing a keyword. Don't be afraid to get pretty specific podcast SEO, as an example, is going to be more specific than just SEO as a keyword, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's getting very specific to what it is that we're talking about. You could get even more specific if you wanted to say some talk about keyword research for podcast SEO or something like that. You can get as specific as you want, but the more specific you get, generally the less competition there is. And what I always say to people is, I would rather have you try to rank for a keyword that maybe has fewer searches every month, but that you have a better chance of getting on page one, then go for a keyword that gets, you know, tens of thousands of searches every month, but you're going to be on page eight. Nobody's going to see you on page eight. People don't even barely go to page two. So (laughs) um, getting more specific with your keywords is going to be a really good strategy that can help you get onto page one more easily. Okay. That makes sense. And yeah, it's funny how we don't go to page two. I know we don't. We just type something new in. <laughs> right. And Google's so good that it's like your question gets answered. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's wild. 
Okay, so this has been so awesome. How else can people learn more of your secrets and connect with you? Yeah. So um, for connecting, I am most active on Instagram. I'm Danielle Gagnon underscore SEO. My podcast is The Content Cash Machine. I talk all things content creation, a lot of SEO. Um, I have a couple podcasting specific episodes in there too. And uh, if you want to learn more of sort of the, the secrets, quote unquote, of SEO, I do have a free guide. It's called Rank Secrets. And I go through 10 simple steps that you can use. This would be more geared towards show notes if you're trying to rank a client's show notes in Google that you can use when you're creating that content. Yes. Awesome. Okay. We will tag that in the show notes. I'm like, show notes, so meta. SEO, yeah. <laughs> we will tag that in the show notes so that people can get it because I bet they'll be really interested to see what else they could maybe implement into their strategy for their clients. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Yes, thanks so much for coming on the show. And um, I can't wait to hear what people think about it. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing Podcast Manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.